Before I extend Christian greetings to each this morning, God bless you all for being here. I really did enjoy the Sunday school hours this morning. You know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, what if Jesus would have not have gone through with what he went through? And I don't know if that's a valid question or not. I don't know. It's not worthy of discussion, really, except that if Jesus would have chosen not to, then there would be no use for us to be here this morning. None at all. But, uh, you know, we had a slight discussion a number of years ago, a group of men, we were were discussing this very thing, and some would have felt that Jesus had no choice whether or not he was going to go through with it, that he was forced to go through with that. And I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that because I said he prayed to his father three times. And I think if, it, if, if, he'd a, if, he, if Jesus would have personally chose, he could have backed out of it. But that, maybe let's discuss that somewhere else. I'm just so thankful this morning that our Lord and Savior went through with it. He gave his life. He gave all so that to this morning I and you can have eternal life. I'm so grateful for that. This morning I'm here to pay off a debt. I'm indebted to Brother J.P. Uh, he took a uh, preaching or several from mine that I was double booked or something. I forget all the detail. And so he filled in for me, which I was grateful for that. And so this morning I'm here to uh, pay, start paying, working on that debt to J.P. This morning's message is a, is a, is a, is a this morning, the title of the message, shall we say, is a question. The question is, does music matter? Does music matter? Does it matter what kind of music we listen to that we engage ourselves in? And of course, we would, I hope we would all say, yes, it does. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works thereof then shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Holy conversation and godliness, that's our lifestyle. Okay? And that includes music. That includes what we listen to, what we involve ourselves in. You know, this morning I believe that music is an international language. It's kind of like a smile. You know, I don't have to understand somebody's uh, somebody's language, but if they smile, I know that they're friendly. Usually anyways, okay? I mean, it's probably not always, but yeah, if somebody comes and they smile and they wave, I know that they're friendly, they come in peace. Everybody understands that, okay? And I think music is something that we, we, we understand and we can come involved in music even if we don't fully understand the words. Uh, I'm, I have some Hispanic friends, and um, you know sometimes they listen to Hispanic music. And even though I don't know the words, I can hear that it's a joyful song. Okay, by and some of that is by the music, by the tempo of the song. I can just hear it as a joyful song. Okay, I can't understand the words, but I know this is a, this sounds like a happy song. Music is a vocal or an in- instrumental sound alone or combined in such a way to produce harmony in an expression of emotion. And I'll use that several times this morning. Music is an expression of emotion. If, if the songwriter, the composer of the music did their job well, they can put their emotions into a song. 
And when that, when, when you play that song, you hear that song, and I'm going to be referring more to the music that we listen to, not what we sang here this morning, okay? I would hope what we sing in our congregation on Sunday morning is godly and uplifting. I will hope we have to even talk about that, okay? It's a little more, more of the music that we can involve ourselves with. And if you listen to music, uh, you become part of it. And, and that's, that's why it, and music engages your emotions, okay? Music is defined as the art of arranging sound to create some combination of harmony, melody, rhythm, and expressive content. There's a lot that goes into music. It is not just a song. Okay, it's far beyond that. It's far beyond just a song. Professional musicians, they want to when they, when you listen to the music, they want you they want to they want to become you to become part of it. Okay? And so when you because when you become part of it, you're going to listen to some more of their music. And a lot of musicians are creating music because they want to sell it to you, right? So they want you to become engaged and that you're going to buy their music. There's instrumental music, which is instrument only. And sometimes when I'm working in my office and during the day all by myself, which usually I'm by myself, uh, I'll like to, I, I'll just go on my phone and I just get a, um, I just get a, I just, I just, I got a couple of sites I can go to and I'll get like instrumental, gospel instrumental music to listen to and it's got a really calming effect on me okay it's just in, instrumental gospel music then there is acapella music it's vocal only there's no i mean there's no uh, no music attached no instruments attached to it you know research has shown and this is research from many years ago up to the up to the up to current you know that music can reduce anxiety reduce your blood pressure now, I've heard music on job sites that raise my blood pressure, okay? But music is designed to lower your blood pressure. It's supposed to help you relieve pain. I'm not sure how that works, but improve sleep quality, mental alertness, and memory. Music can raise your mood. It can get you excited. It can calm you down. And this is true in godly and ungodly music both, okay? We're kind of going to be bringing them together. I mean, not together, talking about both of them. Music can make your day go by a lot faster. Music can melt away the miles of a long road trip. Okay, and uh, that, that's I, on a long road trip. Sometimes I enjoy listening to music or story CDs and things like that to get, that can make your day go by faster. We're not going to talk about story CDs. We're talking about music. Music connects people. Okay, this morning we were connected in singing. Okay. When I am in the congregation and I'm singing, I try to watch the song leader because I want to follow right with him. I don't want to be a half a word behind or ahead. I want to be together. And if the whole congregation is together, we're unified in the song, right? It brings us together, and that's what it's designed to do. It connects people. If you listen to music on your radio or at your house, in your car or wherever, it connects you with the singer. Okay, if you're listening to it, it connects you, okay? Music engages your emotions. I've said that several times already. It engages your emotions. And that is why it is so vital that you listen to music that is uplifting, okay? Not the kind of uplifting the world, not, 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 the kind, not the worldly music, but godly music that lifts you up, okay? Music can raise and also it can lower your heart rate. 
You know, studies have shown that if you play music when you go to sleep, now I'm not sure how many people play music go to sleep, but anyways, people who play music go to sleep, within three minutes after falling asleep, your heart rate is going to match the beat of the music. Okay? So many years ago, when Beethoven first came out, I have no idea who they are, but that's just one of my studies. So I have never listened to the music. I probably heard someone didn't know it. But uh, people felt that was a good music to put your children to sleep on. Well, Beethoven apparently had a fairly fast beat. And after a while, they realized their children were not getting a good night's rest because they were going to sleep and the heart rate was rising. So normally when we go to sleep, our heart rates go down to 40 to 50 beats a minute. Your heart's kind of, I guess it slows down and, and lets you sleep. Well, if the beat of your music is too fast, you're going to wake up feeling like you worked last night instead of slept. Okay? So it's important that you, it is important that you, uh, the beat of the music is less than 40 or 50 beats a minute. I'm not, I'm not advocating for music while you sleep, but I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it, okay? Music has the ability to bring you pleasure. The morning, the music in the church this morning brought me pleasure. I enjoyed listening to it, okay? Music brings you pleasure. It's not just in the church service here. Music is linked to the dopamine release in your brain. Music affects the limbic system in your body, okay? And music does more than just, it, music does a whole lot more than you just listen to it and sing along with it. It does a whole lot more to you, okay? The limbic system is involved in processing emotions. The limbic system lights up when your ears perceive music. And the dopamine release in your body is the chills you feel going down your spine when you listen to a good piece of music. There's nothing wrong with that if it's a good piece of music, okay, if it's honor glorifying God. The dopamine is a neurotransmitter in your brain that, that triggers sensations of pleasure. The exact same thing that happens when people take illegal alcohol, um, alcohol is not illegal, people take drugs or alcohol, okay? It's a dopamine release that, that happens there, and it gives you a sensation of pleasure, Music has positive or negative effects. It depends what you listen to. It all depends what you listen to. Again, I go back to what I said earlier about music raising my heart rate. You know, I'm on job sites occasionally, and then we're forced to listen to the music that somebody else is playing on job sites. And, you know, some of the music that I hear on job sites, it's like, wow. You know, it's no wonder people do what they do to listen to that kind of music. I guess maybe those have to do make the day go faster. I don't know. So what does the Bible say about music? Well, if we look at all the verses that talk about music, we'd be here all morning just reading verses about music, okay? So I just picked out a couple. I was thinking when I prepared for this sermon, does God appreciate instrumental music or acapella music or both? Well, Second Chronicles 5.13, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were of one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking God when they lift up their voices. So they were singing with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, his mercy endureth forever. Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with great gladness, and the Levites and the priests praised the Lord daily, singing with loud instruments unto the Lord. I believe God was pleased. Okay? So we see the people praise God with instruments and with their voices. Psalm 102 says this, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. No instruments involved. Come, Just come together and sing. Okay? 
Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. No instruments involved, just simply singing with grace in our hearts. Okay? Instruments are not mentioned. You know, we're instructed in Psalm 100, 100 verse 2, to come before his presence with singing. That's what we did this morning, right? We came together this morning and we sang. That's exactly what the Bible instructs us to do. We are to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Singing is a whole lot better if it's coming from your heart than just with your, just with your voice, okay? You can hear. I, I can easily hear people are singing because they want to sing. And it's beautiful. When we sing collective like this morning, I believe we're accomplishing a number of things. We're not just singing because that's what straws were going at church on Sunday morning, right? I hope that's not the only reason we sing. I hope we sing because we want to. I think, number one, we are glorifying God. Like in Psalm 100, 100 verse 2, we're instructed to do that. Number two, we're preparing our hearts for worship. You ever think about that? How would the worship service be this morning if we had no singing? I don't know. I hope we don't, I hope we don't have to find out, right? You know, we come in, we sit down, maybe we had a rough morning, rough day yesterday, but here we are, and the singing starts, and it has a calming effect. At least it does on me. The singing has a calming effect on me. It soothes our souls, it's supposed to, and we will be prepared what God has for us today. That's what the singing is meant to do for you and I this morning. Number four, we're keeping Satan away. That's right. Satan cannot handle when you sing praises unto God. He can't handle that. If you're ever having a moment of temptation, hum a, hum a tune, hum a song, sing a song. Satan can't handle that. Number five, singing not only blesses the, uh, singing not only blesses God, but it also blesses the congregation. And by the way, the further up you sit, the better the singing sounds. Okay. But I know we can't all sit up front. Okay. You know, music brings us together. I mentioned that on the onset. It brings us together. When we all are there, we all have our books, we're on the same song, we're the same tune, we're following the song leader, it sounds unified. And you don't have to be a good singer to blend in and glorify God. Okay? You don't have to be. Music has power. We talked about group singing and what it does. Music has tremendous power. You know, whether we're part of a congregational singer or we're singing all alone, music has power. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So Ephesians 5 is full, is full of telling us how to live a godly life. Okay? And what to avoid. It talks about husband-wife relationships, submission, marriage, Christ in the church. And in the middle of this, we have a verse that says, Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Apostle Paul, I believe, knew firsthand what music did for the person. So he put that verse right in there. Singing, making melody, spiritual songs. He knew exactly what it did. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Let's look at that account. You know, Paul, I believe, knew firsthand the power of music. And we know this, we know this account very well. Probably don't have to read everything. But Paul and Silas were out there doing what God had told them to do. What well, God had instructed them, they were preaching, they were teaching, and what happened to them? Let me see, where do you want to start here? Acts, let's start at verse 22. 
The multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, and cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who? This is the jailer. Having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So here they are. They're men of God. They're preachers. They're out there preaching and teaching. They got beaten and thrown into prison. <clears throat> what did they do? You know, most midnights I'm sleeping, okay? But they were awake, quite obviously. And it said, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Why do you suppose they sang praises? Wasn't it enough just to pray? No, they were showing that they were joyful. They were showing the other prisoners in the jail that they were joyful. They did not care what their condition was. They sang praises unto God. Now, maybe they didn't do it just for themselves. I'm sorry, maybe they, maybe they didn't, let me, let me back up. Maybe they didn't do it for others. They might have done it for themselves as well. To calm and soothe their hearts. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. I think we'll stop reading there. I just wanted to point out that Paul knew very clearly the power of music. The power of singing. The power of having a gospel song in your heart. And that's where it needs to be. You know, I don't know what they sang. I'm not for sure what for song they sang. I'm not sure if they had. It wasn't four-part singing. It was just two men, right? So it wasn't four-part singing. But I'm sure it sounded lovely. And it sounded lovely to God. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, what did they do? It says they sung a hymn. Matthew 26, 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus knew the power of music, and Jesus knew the effect that music had. Who did Jesus sing? Why, why did they sing a song? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to all that. But he knew the effect that it had on yourself, on, on, on him and on others as well. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, remember, music has power. Music has tremendous power. And this is not group singing or group worship. Verse 17 and 18. I'm back in Ephesians 5 again now. Uh, verse 17 18 say, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then in verse 19, Paul explains how to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? How do you do that? To keep ourselves going spiritually, I think here's what we need. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Again, in the moment of temptation, what do we do? I hope we pray. I hope we do. That's what we need to do. But Paul says here, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, sometimes we don't always feel like singing, do we? There's times that we don't. But Paul is saying, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, godly music lifts us up. Godly music is a deterrent for Satan. Remember, Satan can't handle when we sing praises. He cannot handle that. He has to go. You know, I think also when we're busy focusing or busy speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns, we're not focused on ourselves and our condition. Maybe that's why Paul and Silas sang praises, because it got their focus off themselves. I don't think having your feet fastened in stocks was very comfortable. But they didn't lament where they were. Instead, they sang praises. That's pretty profound to me. You know, I just believe that the, the Apostle Paul... He, he knew firsthand what music did, what songs did, and he did, and he used it there. You know, the verse also implies that we can have a song in our heart without actually singing. You know, it's possible. 
You can have a song in your heart, but it never comes out. And I think Paul's implying that. You know, it's most important that it's in our heart. You know, there's times that in the middle of a church service, not when I'm preaching, but I say in the middle of a church service, I have a song in my heart. It's best if I keep it there at that time, right? It's probably best for everybody else if I keep it there. You know, but if I'm all alone or with my family, whatever, and I have a song in my heart, it's okay if I sing it. It is, absolutely. You know, singing in your heart can happen anytime, anywhere. Have you ever woke in, in the morning or, yeah, sometime early in the morning you woke up and there's a song in your heart? You can almost feel it. You can almost hear it. It's just there. You know who put that song there? God did. Rest assured that nobody else put that song there but God. Satan cannot put a gospel song in your heart. So if you wake up in the morning there's a song in your heart, God put it there. And why did God put a song in your heart? Why does God put a song in my heart? Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and there's a song in my heart. Why does God put it there? I believe God puts it there to assure me that he's in control and all is well. He puts it there for my benefit. Brothers and sisters, if you wake up and there's a song in your heart, during the day, whatever, but if you wake up and there's a song in your heart, don't forget to thank God for it. God put it there to assure you all is well. Back to the title that we started out with, Does Music Matter? Does it matter what kind of music we listen to? And the answer to that is yes. Are we affected by the music we listen to? And the answer to that is yes, we are. A good songwriter or a musician can express their emotions in song in such a way that when you listen to it, you become part of it. You feel it. That's a good songwriter, a good, a good musician. You feel it. You feel what the artist felt when they composed the song. It becomes part of you. Okay? And then they use fitting music to go with the song. Okay? And this is true in all types of music. Godly music, ungodly music. You know, if you take a gospel song... Take the song title, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. That song sounds best when it's sang slowly, correct? It just fits better, right? And the tune goes right with it. It's just a slow song. The tune fits it. Look at the song, How Great Thou Art. That song is made to be sung a little bit faster. And the tune goes right with the song. You see, a good songwriter... And somebody who matches the tune to the song, they know exactly what to fit in there, that it sounds perfect. Okay? You know, if you look at if you look at artists who compose music for a living, we find that their intent is to attract you to their music. That's their intent. They want you to be attracted to their music. So they have to make it sound appealing. And that's true in all types of music. Okay, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's wrong. Okay, godly songwriters write godly songs and they put good music to it, so you can enjoy the song. You know, I personally visited with a man who's a who's a gospel songwriter, and uh, he plays guitar and he sings. I met him on the prison crusades, and he said God would wake him up in the wee hours of the morning, and there'd be a song in his heart. Now that song wasn't composed yet; he still had to get up and write it. Okay. But God would inspire him to write a song in the wee hours of the morning. And the way he would write his song, he'd get his guitar and he'd get his pen and paper out there and he'd write the words God inspired him to write and he'd put the music right with it. It's definitely a gift that he had that I definitely don't have. That's okay. But it was just interesting listening to him how God used him 
to write these songs and write the music. You know, music draws us in. Whatever type of music you're listening to, it draws you in. The one song we sang this morning, I did not know the song, okay? But it still drew me in. I enjoyed the song. I didn't know the tune, but it drew me in. Why? Because it was a blended, well-put-together song, okay? I enjoyed it. Music draws us, and that happens when the words and the tune matches. You know, there's a message in every song, a message that the artist is trying to get to you. Whether it's a gospel song or an ungodly song, there's a message in the song they want to get it out to you. They want to get it to their audience. They want you to feel the emotions that they felt when they composed the song. They want you to get, they want you to get that message. You know, some songs are written in such a way that they move the listener to tears. That happens when the artist did his job or her job in composing that song and the music to go with it. It works on your emotions. If you take that same song and put another tune to it, or just read the song, it wouldn't be near as good. But you put the music to it that's proper with the song and the proper tempo, it all goes together, it becomes a moving piece of music. Hank Williams Sr. made the statement that you need to be able, I can't quote it, I can't quote it, it was long before my time, but I think he was around when my dad was a little boy. But uh, he made the statement that you have to be able to move people's hearts to be a successful musician. You have to play with their emotions. That's not quoted word for word, but that's the gist of what he said. And you know what? He's exactly right. That's exactly what they, that's exactly what they try to do, what songwriters try to do. You know, when a songwriter has done his or her job... It, you become part of the song. You know, when singing songs in church hymnal, in the church hymnals like this morning, it should soften our hearts. It should move us. Because that's the message in the song. It should move us. So earlier I made the statement that music draws us in. And it's true for several reasons. Some of that we've talked about already. But number one, I believe it's the message or the story in the song. That's what draws us. You begin listening to a song. It's like reading a book. You, you pick up a book and you start reading it. Why do you want to continue to read it? Because you want to see what's going to happen next, right? You want to see where, what happened. You get to the end of the chapter, you look at the clock and say, I just got to read another chapter. I got to see what's happening here, okay? And so it's kind of listen to a, listen to, listen to a song. You, you start listening to a song you never heard before, and there's a message in the song. This is godly or ungodly music. There's a message in the song. And so you continue listening to it so you get the message, right? It's a story. And then number two, music draws us in. It's the tune along with the tempo that draws us as well. Okay? That, that just helps. That just, it, just, it just draws us in. And if they have the proper combination, it just makes an appealing piece of music. And again... When these artists, when they compose these songs, they write them and they put music to them that's appealing. And it's not all wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just making a statement here, okay? It becomes a song that draws us in. It's also the artist himself or herself. You know, um, an artist might become well-known for the music that they write or the songs that they produce. And... It will draw us because of who it is. 
Now, I haven't bought, I, I don't think I have bought a piece of music for I don't know how many years. But back when I did, and there'd be a new CD out by such and such a group that I never heard, I'd say, well, I want that CD because I know that group. And I've never heard, I've never heard this CD, but I know it's going to be good because I know who it is. So somebody can become popular that way, and again, it's true in godly and ungodly music both. So why, now we're going to switch and talk a little bit about godless music. You know, why is godless music so attracting to the ungodly person? Why is it? And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I, want, I would like to know how many people in here indulged in ungodly music at one point in time in their life. And the effect that it had on them. Okay, godless music, I believe, I believe the reason it's so attracting to the ungodly person, and by the way, I hope that ungodly music this morning, if we hear it now, I hope it's repulsive to us. I really hope it is, okay? And I know there's a lot of different kinds of music, you know, you, and I'm, I'm not even going to go down the road, but you know, we think of ungodly music, we think of, you know, rock and roll and rap and all that, it's ungodly music. There's also a lot of ungodly music that does not come in that form, okay? Why is godless music so attracting to the godless person? My number one, I believe, because it rewards people who make their own rules and listen to no one. That's what godless musicians are. They make their own rules, they listen to no one. It glorifies people who live, who consume alcohol and drugs. That's why it glorifies godless people. That's why they like it so much. You know, the more evil you are, the more popular you are. You know, with the influx of the rock and roll bands back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and still going on, it was the long hair, the ruckus lifestyle, and the way they lived. It was appealing to the ungodly person. And unfortunately to some godly people as well, who followed down that road. February 7th, 1964, the Beatles came to New York from Great Britain. They were an openly rebellious group. But they very quickly became a sensation here in the United States. Why? Their one slogan was, out with Jesus Christ, in with the Beatles. That was their slogan, or one of their slogans. Why did they become so popular? I guess they had enough of people who followed them, right? If somebody wouldn't buy their music and wouldn't support them go to their concerts, they'd fall flat. But they had enough of people who were okay with that kind of, with that kind of a mentality. Out with Jesus Christ, in with the Beatles. As far as I know, I've never listened to any Beatles music. If I did, I didn't know what, what it was. So I have no idea what they sang, and I'm I have no I, I don't care what they sang. But that was they were an openly rebellious group. They were heart they were the heart throb of America there for a while, because of who they were and how they lived. And there's many other rock and roll bands that followed suit, but they kind of paved the way. There's a few of those still alive today. The one was the one was killed at a concert was shot by somebody from the back row, um, and another one passed away here not too long ago. They proved that the more evil you are, the more popular you are. They were widely accepted and adored. You know, at one point in time, that would have never been okay. But by 1964, that's before I was born, there's some in here that probably remember it. But uh, they were adored and accepted, and they were embraced. Let's talk a bit about ungodly music and why it's so damaging to the person. Remember, music has power. It draws you in. You become part of it. You become part of it. It's damaging. 
The words, the music, the tempo, it just draws you. It just draws you in. You know, godly music is Satan's kingdom all the way. Satan understands music. He understands it very well. You know, aside from God, I believe Satan understands music better than anyone else. Satan understands the power of music. And Satan understands the effect that music has on a person. Music moves you. Music causes people to do things they wouldn't normally do. Why do we have certain songs that we sing at weddings, at funerals? Would it be appropriate to sing a funeral song at a wedding? I mean, if we'd, if we'd say we're going to have a wedding and we're going to sing these funeral songs, people are like, what are you thinking? It's because those songs are designed for a purpose. Okay? They're, they're godly songs. They're, they're, they're written for a purpose. Again, godly music is, godless music is Satan's kingdom. You know, when we sit in a group setting like this morning, we sing these wonderful Christian songs. We forget about the rough week that we had, at least for the time being. It's going to start again tomorrow, okay? But anyways, today we're worshiping and we're, we're, we're putting all that stuff aside. We allow the song to speak to us. It draws you in the same way ungodly music will. In an ungodly setting, when people indulge in ungodly music, they allow the song to draw them in. They become part of it. They allow the song to speak to them. This morning, it's okay if the song spoke to you. It should have. Okay? But in ungodly music, the songs speak to you as well. It speaks to people. Inside of each person, there is a vast God-given void that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. And when people don't have Jesus Christ, they try to fill the void with other stuff. And music is usually one of them. Satan understands the effects and the power of music. He's behind all of that. He's behind all evil. But music especially, I believe. Why was Satan kicked out of heaven, by the way? Because of pride. The great I. Isaiah 14, 12. Don't turn to that. I just I have it written down. How art thou fallen, O heaven? How art thou fallen from heaven to Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, verse 13, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Five times he said, I will. Five times this is what I'm going to do. Lucifer made it very clear he was going to exalt himself. He, he, he got out of the place where God had appointed him to be. You know, angels have choices as well, just like we do today. I guess they still do the did back then. I guess they're through today. I'm not, I won't speak to that. But pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. He idolized himself. So what does this have to do with music? What does it have to do with music? Well, I believe if Satan can keep people, keep people focused on themselves, they're not going to turn to God. Okay? At ungodly concerts, the crowd is idolizing who? The singer. They're there. When, if somebody buys tickets and goes to an ungodly concert, they're going, to, they're going to, to idolize the singer. Okay? This morning, we come in this morning and sang. How many of you thought about the author of the song? Probably nobody, right? You, you look at the author of the song. Somebody did, okay? But we didn't focus on that. We focused on the song and the message and what the song was doing for us. See, at these godless concerts, the people are focusing on the singer. 
They're focusing on one person. The song is not glorifying God. It's glorifying the singer. Godless music is written to glorify the artist. Godly music is written to glorify God. It's a vast difference, okay? When these music, when, when musicians, again, when they write songs, they want you to be attracted to the song and to them. You know, if a, if a person is listening to ungodly music, they're becoming part of it. The song is drawing them in. They're becoming part of the song. The song is becoming part of them. Satan knows the effects the songs will have on you. He understands the power that music has on you. And if he can keep people from filling the God-given void with Jesus and keep trying to fill it with music, he's got you. It's that simple. You know, music engages our emotions, like I said earlier. You know, in the case of ungodly music, it engages your emotions in a negative way. An ungodly person will feel that it's working in a positive way. Why? Because of the dopamine release in their brain. That's why. When they listen to godless music, it may, might make go chills up and down their spine. It's the dopamine release in their brain. That's what's happening. The Bible talks about this. It's called the pleasure of sin for a season. But that's what the Bible says. I believe one reason that Satan has been so successful in using music to advance his kingdom is he can influence one person that's going to have an effect on thousands and millions of people. Okay, he can he can influence one rock and roll band to write godless music and affect millions of people. If you ever want to do a study on music and some of these rock and roll bands, I probably shouldn't even probably should not even go there. But these men, a lot of these rock and roll bands back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, the one they, they interviewed the one. And they, they asked him the questions. They said, do you have to be a Satanist to do what you do? He said, you don't have to, but it helps. They sell their soul to the devil. They worship Satan to become better artists, to become better musicians, to affect more people. See, Satan's affecting one group to affect millions of people. When I was a teenager, one of the, pop, one of the popular rock and roll bands was ACDC. Some of their songs included Hell's Bells. Another, another song was titled I'm on the Highway to Hell. One rock and roll band. They sold over 200 million copies. See how Satan influenced one group and influenced over 200 million people? It's a perfect example of Satan using a person or people under his influence singing godless music and affecting millions of people. At large arenas where these concerts are held, there's, hundreds, there's over 100,000 people. One rock and roll band affecting all those people. Satan's behind it all. Godless music connects people. It influences people. It causes people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Godless music has committed people to... Godless music has caused people to commit suicide. Why? Because it's empty. There's nothing there. There's nothing fulfilling. Nothing at all. I personally talked to a man. I personally knew a man. He told me this story himself. In his younger years, he was listening to none other 
than ACDC in his truck. His life had spiraled downhill, and he gave up on living. And he got a uh, he got a tobacco spear, and most of you don't probably know what a tobacco spear is. Levi don't know what a tobacco spear is, but most people probably don't. You know, anywhere it's four or five feet long, and he positioned it with a with a with a metal metal tip on the end, and he positioned it on the ground and on his heart, he was going to fall on it and kill himself that night. He was tired of living. And he said, as he prepared to do that, he prepared himself. Everything was setting place, and he said, in front of him became a a, a visible door in front of him. He said behind that door was just screaming. He knew he was viewing the door of hell. And he chose not to go through with it. But that's what the rock and roll music did to him. It turned. He, he turned around. As far as I know, I don't. I don't think he. Don't think he turned his life around right then, but he did not commit suicide. Later on, he died, as far as I know, a godly man. Godless music influences you. I hope this morning none of us are out there listening to rock and roll music. There's a lot of other godless music other than rock and roll, okay? I recently read a book book written by Cedric Fisher. I'd recommend it to anybody. It's called Chains Couldn't Hold Me. He was a godless musician who later in his life, God got a hold of him and changed his life. But the things that are in that book are terrifying as these musicians traveled and played their music and to look at the works of darkness that went along with it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's yeah, um, mind-altering substances these, these men were on. and But God broke through and saved him. And today he's still singing, but he's singing a different tune. Okay? Friends, the devil is behind all ungodly music. All of it. There's none that's in the middle ground. It's either it's either uplifting or it's not. If it's taking us down, Satan is behind it. Music is drawing us. Where is it drawing us to? Closer to God or closer to the world? So as Christians this morning, why is it so vitally important that we listen to music that helps us on our Christian walk? Why is it so vital? Well, remember, music has power. It will affect us, positive or negative. Music will affect us. A person cannot listen to ungodly music and it not affect them. I don't care how, I don't care how good you think you are. If you listen to music that is less than godly, it will affect you. Okay? Music draws us. Remember that. We'll become part of it. When I play music in my office in the morning or whenever I'm working there, why do I do that? I, it's just in the background. Sometimes, sometimes I forget it's playing. But I find myself humming along the tune. So it's there, right? I mean, it's in my, it, it, I'm hearing it and subconsciously I'm humming the tune. Music draws you in. You become part of it. Music will play with your emotions, positive or negative. It will. It will have an effect on you. Music will draw us into into worship with God or with the world. Not both. Not both. You know, as Christians, I believe we should choose music that is edifying and God-honoring. 
Music has three parts to consider when you're looking to purchase music. There's three parts to consider. You have the writer, you have the words, and you have the music. Those are three parts to consider when purchasing music. Number one, we need to consider the songwriter. Does his or her life portray God's word? Buying their music is going to support them. Is it something you want to support? Something for us to think about. Number two, we need to consider the words, the message in the song. Is it a message that is uplifting to God? Is it a message that's going to draw you closer? Is the message going to edify you or not? Number three, we need to consider the music, the tempo. Does it glorify God? You know, you know music, can, music can dishonor God, just music itself, okay? But does the music, the tempo, does it glorify God, our creator? Many, many years ago, I drove, I, I did some part-time bus driving, and I took a group of Christians down to North Carolina, I forget what city it was, to a, I forget where, 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 why they went. But uh, Sunday morning, I went to church with him. It was a mega church. Um, I forget how many thousand people were there. And they had a praise and worship team up singing up front. I was probably three-quarters way back, okay? And... The worship, the praise and worship was so loud and so powerful, okay, it moved, not my heart, my dress pants on my legs, okay, as the as beat, the tempo, it would move the dress pants on my legs, okay, it didn't move me, but it moved my pants, okay, I'm not sure if that was honor and glory, if that was glorifying God or not, I, 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 I don't think it was, up in Pennsylvania, uh, my brother-in-law, they live across the fields from another mega church up there. I understand they have about 3,000 members. And um, on a Sunday morning, when they fire up the praise and worship team, depends what they're playing. He ha- he's probably about, I'm going to say about three or 400 yards from the church. This is an indoor church now, okay? It's not outdoors, okay? He has one of the big metal stars hanging on the end of his barn, he said that star will vibrate sometimes in the morning when they get fired up. The praise and worship team. Is that glorifying God? You know, there's a lot of ungodly... Back, back, back to the music that we choose to listen to. There's a lot of ungodly people who sing gospel songs. The very songs we sing right here sometimes on Sunday morning, there's a lot of ungodly people who have used those songs to advance their career. Okay? To help them sell, sell more music, okay? And, you know, some of the music, some of the music is pleasing that they put to the song. You know, Satan wants us to enjoy his music. Sure he does. He wants, he wants his music to be pleasing to us. But let's just remember this. Ungodly music is Satan's territory. Always, always, always. It's always Satan's territory. Even if it's pleasing to the ear. And it will have an effect on you, positive or negative. You know, maybe the music you listen to, you might say, well, it's not bad music. It's not God. It's not, it's not rock and roll. It's not rap. It's not country. But it's, you know, it's probably not gospel, but it's not that bad. Really? What, what for effect is it having on you? It's going to have an effect. You know, and maybe it's not bad music you're listening to. But it's going to condition you to go further. Okay? So music, I mean, godless music has, has no, I mean, there's nothing fulfilling in it, right? It's empty. 
So you're going to need more and more and more. Music produces fruit. The Bible talks about being. The Bible talks about us being us us bringing fruit, right? Music produces fruit. What kind of fruit is your music producing that you're listening to? It will either draw us closer or it will draw us away, one or the other, not both. You just like the just like the choices that we make are directional. Would you agree with that? The choices we make are directional, right? The music you listen to is directional as well. Is it helping us or is it hindering us? It's doing one or the other. There's, there's not middle ground. It's not middle ground. In conclusion, does music matter? Yes, it does. Shall we have a song?